What's up, peeps, freaks, and geeks? Welcome back inside the locker room for this very special interview brought to you by the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, the GorillaPosition.com, Hami Media, OneWrestling.com. My name is Jargo. You can find me on Twitter at NotJargo. But ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming into the locker room studios at this time. He is the voice of Ring of Honor Wrestling, a 14-year veteran of the company, a member of the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming into the locker room Mr. Bobby Cruz. Mr. Cruz, how are you? Jargo, thank you for having me. Good, doing, doing well. I have to say, Mr. Cruz, it's, it's quite an honor to introduce you. Of course, for years, we have heard you introducing the superstars of Ring of Honor. Uh, you are a hard man to research. I couldn't even find a Wikipedia page for you. I, I used to have one. I, I, I do know, like, if somebody, I don't know, six, seven years ago had sent it to me, and I said, oh, wow, there's a Wikipedia page about me. And then maybe uh, six months to a year later, it was gone. So I guess I'm not relevant enough to even have a Wikipedia or a fake Wikipedia page. <laughs> the man with the best seat in the house that nobody talks about. Isn't that amazing? Uh, you don't seem to do a whole lot of interviews either. So thank you very much for the opportunity to sit down with you here for a bit today. Talk about your career and the upcoming Ring of Honor Best in the World. No, no problem. Yeah, it's, uh, I used to, years ago, I did several interviews uh, and then kind of, you know, kind of rotate around and, you know, who wants to hear from me all the time? So I, I figure if, if, if we spread them out a little bit, they'll mean a little more. I think you would be surprised. I think you would be surprised because I'm pretty sure that you've got some stories to tell from from your time in Ring of Honor. Uh, be, before we jump into some of the current events, let's go back in time a little bit. Uh, when did you first start watching wrestling and how did you find your way into the announcing business? Oh, God. I started watching wrestling probably... Uh, around nine, ten years old. I'm just trying to remember. Back living in Massachusetts, WWF was the uh, was the company around here. I mean, NWA was on TV a little bit, but WWF was on at the same time every Saturday morning uh, out of the, a Boston affiliate. And so that was like clockwork, man. I was watching it every single Saturday morning. And I remember one time my parents had said that I couldn't watch it one day uh, for whatever reason. Probably got in trouble. And uh, I, I snuck off and, and watched a couple minutes of it anyway, but it, that was like torture because, you know, there's no DVRs back then. There's no even – that was like the infancy of v, VCRs. I wouldn't know how to work that. So um, that was uh, that was really my, my big first uh, introduction into watching wrestling was WWF every, uh, every Saturday morning. That's awesome. Who, who was on top at that time? Uh, that was right around, see, I was born in 73 and Hogan won the title in 84, right? So it was right around then, I would say, uh, it was Backlund and then, and then quickly the Sheik and then Hogan. But my favorite as a kid was Rocky Johnson. Uh, I love watching Rocky Johnson and, and, and I remember going nuts. I think I was at my mother's hairdresser. And they put it on for me when uh, Johnson and Atlas won the tag titles from the Samoans. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Uh, let, let, let's fast forward a little bit. Let's, let's go to 2004. And I want to talk a little bit about my personal fav- one of my personal favorite wrestlers of all time. The man that I pitch for every commentary position, every management position inside of the WWE or NXT. A man that you were the personal ring announcer for. Of course, I mean Mr. Steve Carino. How did you meet Mr. Carino and how did you become become his personal ring announcer and then eventually the full-time ring of honor lead announcer. Yeah. I kind of just, once I, I met Steve, they, my career kind of snowballed and it really took off. And that's why I've always said, and anyone that asks, or I just offer it up like right now, the two people that helped my career the most with Carino, because he really got me going, which I'll touch on. And then, um, and Carrie Silken, of course, who made the call to bring me into ring of honor once the Carino intro stuff was done. But I started around the new England Indies in, in 1994 um, and there was a company here that I had started with that I started booking for, 
Uh, right around the time ECW was folding um, is when I first met Steve. Uh, we would bring in quote-unquote names every so often, and of course he was the ECW world champion. Uh, he was a different name. Uh, he wasn't a huge expense because he was a drive-in coming up from Pennsylvania and so forth. So I, I was able to get the promoter to approve me bringing Steve up. And um, not only was I booking for the company, but I was also still ring announcing. And the first night we met each other, he worked for me. Uh, he pulled me aside after. He said, I really like your ring announcing. You know, I run a, a, a promotion once a month on Sunday nights down in Pottstown, Pennsylvania. I'd like to have you come down and start announcing there. So I started doing that, and I was sharing the shows. I was doing, kind of doing half the show and then half the show with the guy they already had. And then Steve kind of finally made the decision. He just wanted me to take it over. Um, and that led to, um, you know, he was working for Zero One constantly in Japan back then. I mean, he's, he was in Japan more than he was here in the U.S., I think. Uh, they spotted me at one of the shows, and he got me on one Thanksgiving morning of, uh, of 2000, uh, 2001, Thanksgiving 2001, on the old AOLIM, and uh, said, hey, Zero One's running two USA-themed shows in Tokyo, and they want you to ring announce. Um, so that was like, I never thought I would go to Japan. I'm only a ring announcer. Who would, who would care about bringing a, you know, flying a ring announcer to Japan? And um, so did that a couple times with Zero One through Steve, thankfully. And then um, I think it was uh, the summer of 03, he uh, got me again on the messenger and said, hey, I'm going to go back to Ring of Honor. And I had this idea for my own personal ring announcer. Let me run it by you. And do you want to do it? And he kind of ran it by me. And right away I said, yeah, because not only to be reunited with Steve, but it was also something like I had never done before to be this ass, um, you know, heel <laughs> who just, you know, can, you know, every time I've always been the straight ring announcer and you're just announcing one match or the other and you're the host of the show, blah, blah, blah. But this was a lot different. And it was only announcing Steve, and it was so obnoxious um, that it really uh, got my attention. And there's it just so much fun. You know, people talk about Steve Carino, and they remember his ECW days and, and all of the work that he has done all over the world. One of my favorite eras of Steve Carino was hands down when he was the, the color guy for Ring of Honor. Carino on commentary. My God, how is this guy not on commentary somewhere? Yeah, it's, uh, it's ironic because... Um, since we started, since you know Sinclair Broadcasting bought us, the way we do our TVs, I, I wear an IFB, so I'm I'm not really getting communication from the production truck or anything like that, even during live pay per views. What what it's more for me is to hear the uh, the uh, commentators. Um, so you know if, if they throw it to me in the ring or blah blah blah, you know, so we're all on time. So I'm just there every single TV and pay per view, listening to the commentary in my ear, and uh, Carino cracked me up so many times. Uh, sometimes he was uh, taking shots at me, but um, he he just cracked me up so many times with the stuff he would say. I mean, the stuff he used to say about B.J. Whitmer, uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't even um, you know, hold in laughing. It was so funny. Um, just really, really good stuff. So, you know, we kind of that kind of ran its course. I remember how I got the ring on the full time kind of ring of honor ring announcing job was I was going to do the Carino intros in um, Dayton, Ohio and in Chicago one weekend in 04 and uh zero one pulled carino they needed them in, for shows in japan so gabe sapolsky had said to me he's like well you're already coming do you want to just announce the shows straight as the ring announcer uh, which i was kind of surprised he asked me to do but it also told me okay probably the the carino intros had run their course and i wasn't going to go back to doing that and checked with steve he's like absolutely go for it it's a great opportunity um so i did that and and that led to several months later 
um, Carrie Silken calling me and saying, hey, uh, we want to make a change at Ring Announcer. If the position becomes available, would you take it? And I said, uh, if it becomes available, I'll take it. And uh, he said, okay, give me an hour. And within a half hour, he called me back. He said, okay, it's available. Um, so that, that that got me going. I think it was a week or two before um, Weekend of Thunder in uh, in the Boston area, which was cool. And uh, at the Westplex in New Jersey, the Jewish and Liger. That was kind of my uh, introduction into the, the full-time spot with the Ring of Honor. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I read uh, Justin Roberts' book that was released uh, a year or so ago, and he talks a lot about the rules of ring announcing, uh, positioning, how Vince would like to have his ring announcers produced. Was that something that you needed to adjust to when you joined ROH, or did they just hand you a microphone kind of thing and said, go do your thing? Yeah, that's the one thing It's uh, that I, I have to say. No matter who's been in charge and you know who's the booker or whatever, they, they've pretty much left me alone. I've always had the freedom, whether it was Gabe or Adam Pierce or, or now with Hunter. Um, nobody's really, quote-unquote, produced me um, and, and told me, hey, we want you to do this this way or do this in a different way or whatever. They've, they've, uh, they've actually – they were all really, really good with me and, and to this day. I mean there's been times we sit in production meetings where I'll actually bring up a – you know, they say something in a production meeting. We're going to do things a certain way and I'll bring up a, an alternative way that I just think is better because I'm the, actually the one doing it. And 99% of the time, they make the change. So, um, no, everyone's been really good. And that was kind of the thing in 06 when WWE called me. I know how structured they are and um, and how detailed they are and so forth. And that was one of the things that kind of concerned me a little bit was like, you know, if, if you screw one thing up or just, you know, a minor thing, are they going to be all over your case and, and just kind of you know, uh, okay, we're done with this guy, you know, kind of thing. But yeah, um, I mean, we see it with talent all the time, whether it be wrestlers or commentators. I mean, especially when you get down to ring announcers, I imagine, you know, you say one wrong word and Vince would be all over your ass. Yeah, it was for me, it was Kevin Dunn. I, I did, uh, I did a dark match and, uh, I did some, some heat. Uh, and I remember the first night I was with him, it was a dark match in Oklahoma city. It was two members of the spirit squad against crime time and like crime times debut. And, uh, and, you know, Lillian Garcia was the ring announcer at the time for Raw, and she kind of was helping me out through the afternoon with all the info and stuff, and she was great. I loved working with her and everything. But she said to me, you know, so just say the World Tag Team Champions, the Spirit Squad. And I did that, and I guess uh, when I got back to the table, um, Kevin Dunn was in Mark Eaton's ear, the, the timekeeper for years there, and said uh, he didn't say the individual names. He didn't say, like, oh, Kenny and Mikey, the Spirit Squad, whatever. And I'm like, well... That's not what I was told to say. So now I'm thinking to myself, all right, is this one little thing going to be a problem for me? But they ended up calling back. So I guess that wasn't it. Well, feel free to bury Kevin Dunn on this show whenever you want. It's kind of an on-running theme that we have throughout the show. So, you know. I can't, I can't do that. Uh, the reason why I can't do that, and I actually, I've never said this before, but I'm going to give you. So you're Ooh, an exclusive. Kind of, yeah. So I, I've. Lately, I've been thinking about the end of my ring announcing career and um, what I really, really want to do, my very last – I don't need to announce an entire show. I don't need it to be TV or whatever. I want to announce one match in the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence. That's where I went as a kid. I was very close to my grandfather on my mother's side. That's where he would take me. And as I get older, he would just kind of drop me off with a friend and then come and pick us up. So that's my Madison Square Garden. Um, and so, you know, now knowing enough people now as far as talent or behind the scenes in WWE, that's my goal when when my actual announcing career is over. Um, 
that that I announce one match in that building. I don't care if it's a house show opener or whatever. I just want to announce one uh, one match in that in that building. That's so really I will, cool. I will not be burying um, Mr. Dunn. <laughs> That's really cool. That's really cool. Of course, uh, you you joined Ring of Honor when the company was only two years old. Uh, do you remember where your first show was for ROH? It was it was that I did a couple fill ins. Um, I mentioned that date in a Chicago weekend. I also did one up here in Massachusetts uh, in 2004 in a town called Lexington. And I remember it was uh, Punk and Cabana challenging for the – or actually not challenging. I think they were the tag champions at the time. Uh, maybe they were challenging. Who knows? It was 14 years ago. But um, uh, th- those I remember. And then, like I said, my first actual being the guy, ring announcer for Ring Honor was uh, – so Friday night weekend Thunder show with Liger. I think it was Liger and Brian Danielson uh, up here in the Boston area. Oh. My first final, ironically enough, that year was 04. It was uh, the day after Christmas 04. It was when Austin Aries uh, dethroned Samoa Joe's very, very long Ring of Honor world title reign. That was my first final battle. Wow. Wow. God, just to even be in that building, let alone to be the ring announcer for it. My God. Yeah, yeah that was that was crazy. That was that. Was- you know, I had known I had known I was. This was probably going to be my last ring announcing job, as far as for a company. Uh, once I got going, but looking back then, I mean that atmosphere. There's been so many times that it's, I rave about the atmosphere, Ring of Honor, and the fans that we had, and so forth. But that was that was one of the standout ones. Um, what are some of your fondest memories of those early days of Ring of Honor? I mean, in 2004, Ring of Honor was still only they were only two years old. They were still a baby company. They were they were literally running, you know, VFW halls. And now, you know, you're running venues seating six thousand people, ten thousand people. Right. Yeah, it's um it's uh it's definitely been interesting to see I you know, I I get asked sometimes what are the differences now between, you know, Ring of Honor now and, and back then when I started. But you know, to answer your question first, I mean some of the memories that stick out with what I just mentioned, that first final battle. Uh, also when we went to the UK and we had the unification bout in Liverpool front of a sold out crowd with Brian Anderson and Nigel McGuinness, of course, in Nigel's basically his backyard. Uh, that was awesome. You know, just seeing the way the Ring of Honor fans, the Japanese fans, reacted to Ring of Honor in Japan, running actual Ring of Honor shows in Tokyo and so forth, and Osaka. Just, there's been so many things. I mean, you know, uh, CM Punk's uh, farewell in Chicago, and instead of pouring beer, champagne, and pouring Pepsi on the guy, uh, <coughs> excuse me. So, there's been so, so many things. But, um, you know, the thing that to me it's always been the same with Ring of Honor is the, the product inside the ring. Um, you know, obviously we've had roster turnover over the years and it's kind of like, you know, if you're a baseball player and David Ortiz retires, it's an opportunity for someone else to step in and, uh, and, you know, to shine. And we've had that so many times where ring of honor on our roster. Um, so the one thing that's always remained consistent is the, the great product and quality of the stuff inside the ring. And now the past few years, I think, um, my, my biggest quote unquote complaint was always our production um, you know, just in arena production, our TV production, and so forth. That has done a complete 180. And I think now, um, you know, the great work that our uh, production crew does, uh, and TV crew does, editors, everything, uh, graphics, um, has, has caught, uh, caught up basically to the wrestling. So now you have the great wrestling, which we've always had in Ring of Honor, no matter who's on the roster. 
but now you also had some of the state of the art in a, in arena production, but also TV production that is just making you know things stick out even more. Looking back in hindsight now, you've announced some of the truly best in the world over the course of the last 14 years, whether it be Brian Danielson, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Nigel McGuinness, CM Punk, to the more modern era of ROH, whether it be Adam Cole, Marty Skrull, Cody Don't Call Him Rhodes. Uh, do, do you have a personal favorite ring introduction that you have done over the course of the years? Yeah, well, not, I guess personal favorites, yeah. There's been, there's been some. I like the ones... Um, I don't like any name to sound the same. Uh, I've heard announcers in the past, like, they have the same style for every single name. And that's their style. That's fine. That's just not the way I would want to do it. So, for example, um, I just did, uh, what, about a month ago when Austin Aries returned to Ring of Honor. Hadn't done his intro in years, of course. Uh, but I did the exact same intro I used to do for him where I could really hit the Austin and carry, kind of hold the, the, the last part of his first name and then it's you know, hit the, uh, hit the, the, his last name is so short, just hit it really quick. Um, so there's a lot of them. I mean, right, right now, uh, Jay Lethal is one of my favorites. Um, as long as he's a baby face, because, you know, there's been times where I could really hammer home, say the Briscoes, but if they're not baby faces, it doesn't make a lot of sense the way I would do it. So I try to change my intros depending on, uh, a, a particular person and their persona, but lethal, um, is one of my favorites because I can just I'll try and hold the J for as long as I can and then just whack the lethal at the end. Um, but yeah, there's uh, there's also some that are kind of like I, I to be honest with you, I've never been happy with the way I do Cody because it, it's so, it's so short. Yeah, it's so and I've tried different things like in my mind and stuff. And there's just so many things that um, there's only so many things you can do with a four letter word, basically. So um you know, it's, it's that that is that actually bothers me that I, I I don't think I like the way I introduce Cody. So what I've kind of tried to do the past few months is concentrate more on the American Nightmare part, which leads up to the Cody, and kind of carry and drag that out a little more. And then the Cody is just so short; there's only so many things I can do with it. So I'm always I don't like to watch myself. I don't like to listen to myself, but I do do it, especially like pay-per-views and TV, um, just to see if I can pick up on anything that I want to change or maybe tweak a little bit it's crazy the psychology of ring announcing ladies and gentlemen it's something that i never would have considered in a million years you know right yeah it's just it's i mean that's my thing you know it's uh and i'm sure you know it probably i mean sure wrestlers do this all the time but it's probably the same for writers or you know the referees we have two of the best referees in the world with todd sinclair and paul turner i'm, I'm sure there are little tweaks that they go through in their minds or, okay, if this comes up again, I want to do it differently or whatever. Um, if you're not doing that, then you probably don't care. And, um, you know, you're just, you're just going with the, going through the motions all the time. And if I ever do that, that's when I know it's time to go. Do you have a Cody Rhodes introduction, like in your brain, like just saved waiting for the day that maybe you possibly get to use it? Uh, no, I haven't even actually thought about it because from the, from day one, you know, the, we, he, we heard he's coming to ring of honor. We, we had heard, well, he thinks he can use the name, but he's not sure. Um, and you know, it's kind of ironic that Brandy can use the Rhodes name. Because he actually, uh, went after that and got it herself, I guess. But, uh, but Cody can't, but no, it, it's always been just Cody. So I, I haven't even thought about it. Have you ever, uh, just destroyed someone's name? 
whether it be a Japanese talent, a talent coming up from CMLL, have you ever just that you were like, man, I wish I had that one back? Well, should it? Yeah, I did it with the first time I think I introduced Okada in, <laughs> in, uh, in oh, one of the first times. Like, um, I I had just I was going looking at it, and for whatever reason, I to me it looked like Kazuchika. And so that's how I had said it. And then I don't know if I read something online or whatever. I think I did probably. Fans can be so uh, particular. <laughs> I said, oh, man, did I say that wrong? Because it's funny because we've had meetings and stuff, too, where I've heard like office people say it like that. So I'm like, oh, all right. So then I kind of looked at it a little more. I said, oh, Kazuchka. OK, that's fine. So, yeah, but n- not, nothing crazy. I'll always that's one of the rare occasions I didn't ask because to me it was so cut and dry. Oh, it's Kazuchika, you know, uh, but yeah, most phonetically, the- that's exactly yeah. how it looks. Like, and it's been, um, you know, up here, uh, my, my younger daughter just finished uh, high school baseball uh, softball season. And uh, I announced a few of the last few games. And um, even that, like doing that, like the opposing team, I'll go over to one of the coaches and, and if a, a name looks a little uh, shaky and make sure I have the right pronunciation. That's that's very important to me. I don't I don't want to butcher anybody. Of course, these days, ROH is selling out much larger venues than they were in 2004. Of course, you were the man on the mic for Supercard of Honor in New Orleans. Uh, being one of the longest tenured employees of the company, talk a little bit about what that night not meant only to the company, but also for yourself personally. Yeah, it was very special. There's no doubt about it. To, to go back, you know, some of our biggest matches took place took place in some smaller venues you know talk about uh Samoa Joe and Kobashi was in New York City which is one of the one of the greatest ring of honor events atmospheres matches I've, I've seen um and it was in this tiny you know the New Yorker hotel this tiny ballroom they had before we moved next door to the Manhattan Center um to to see you know it, we kind of got a little glimpse of it last year uh down in florida with with what we did down there with the bucks and the hardies and the, the ladder match for the tag titles and i that was the biggest crowd i had seen for ring of honor um and but then new orleans you know just kind of blew that away and it's it's impressive you see i sit there you know and i kind of i've done it before where i'll i'll just take pictures and post on social media and be like look at this i mean you know we're, we're packed and the other thing that we're doing too is we're running like actual arenas you know sometimes you we're running buildings where it's all flat floor and flat seating or whatever. And you really can't, you know, I mean, it could be 2000 people there, but you can't tell you know, past the fifth or sixth row because everyone's all on the same level. Now to, to be running actual arenas with, you know, uh, the seating, you know, rising up and so forth. Um, it's pretty impressive. Uh, speaking of larger venues, you've, you've now not only toured the United States a multitude of times, but I believe I read that you have now done the UK and Japan six times. Do, right. you, do you have a favorite venue to announce in? Um, that's a good question. I mean, Corican Hall, um, for a number of reasons. Um, Holy was, ground. Yeah, it was really cool. Obviously, that's like a, you know, a mecca of of pro wrestling in Japan. Uh, so legendary. I mean, it's so legendary. They run multiple events for ru- multiple promotions in the same day over there. It's crazy. Uh, that that was really cool. Um, so I, between the between the international stuff I, I did, I would say Corican Hall because not only the nostalgia and everything, but also it's, re- it's a really cool venue. You know, there's, there's no grand entrance. You've got to come out these different sides and stuff. And, um, you know, the fans are kind of like right there. But then they also have the the, the arena type seating uh, on like a hard camp side. So 
Um, that that Dick Hurricane Hall, I, I would like to to do another event or two there. Another uh, venue I feel obligated to ask you about is the Sears Center in Chicago, Illinois. Of course, I'm talking about All In. Uh, Mr. Cruz, I read somewhere that you are All In. Is that accurate? Yeah. they. Uh, Cody had asked me about it a little while ago. And um, and then just on a whim, we were recently in, uh, in the UK, in Edinburgh, Scotland. And uh, after the show, after we went off the air on Auto Club, uh, Cody was talking about something or whatever, and then he kind of mentioned the great production that we have with Mark Davis and his team at Ring of Honor, and then it just kind of led to me and said, hey, by the way, you know what? Nobody knows this, uh, but you know, Bobby's going to be all in. He is going to be the ring announcer for All In. So it kind of came out right there in, in Scotland and, um, and so forth. I haven't seen my graphic yet, though. You see these All In graphics? But I heard it's coming because I don't believe I'm going to be the only ring announcer for All In. Oh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm certainly it's not my job to put anything out there, but I'm not at liberty to discuss. But I believe uh, someone who's pretty well known. Uh, will be joining me to uh, kind of share duties. Oh, I'm intrigued now. Of course, uh, Huckleberry Number 1 and I will be at All In. We will also be at StarCast Weekend. Uh, if you get an opportunity, come down, say hello. We'll be there on Thursday. Uh, of course, this interview was uh, brought together to talk a little bit about Best in the World coming up this Friday, June 29th. This event will be streaming live on Honor Club. Please visit ROHWrestling.com for further information on how you can become a member. Uh, this event will be coming to us from the brand new UMBC Event Center in Baltimore, Maryland. Some great matches advertised for this event. You've got four championships on the line. New ROH TV champion and friend of the show. Well, a former guest of the show. I'm not sure that punishment really has any friends punishment martinez will be taking on hangman page in a baltimore street fight uh mr cruz you've seen this feud and how this has been built up up close and personal uh how does it feel being ringside for a baltimore street fight and do you have to watch your ass a little bit more when you know that it's a baltimore street fight yeah i've been watching my back a lot with these guys as it is because there's been several times uh, where not, you know matches aren't even starting, and these guys are attacking each other, and uh, I have no idea where they're going. And that's that's part of the problem too. And a couple times they've come like to my table, once through my table. Um, so yeah, it's been uh, it's been interesting. Uh, two of the top uh, young studs, in my opinion, in Ring of Honor. Two guys who have been on fire, of course, Paige. You know, with the Bullet Club, has been it's been such a boost to his career. But he's certainly shown that he has uh, earned his way into Bullet Club and has just become like a fan favorite uh, so quickly. Uh, and it's so good. And punishment, you know, proof that anything can happen at any Ring of Honor event. Uh, you know, an Honor Club uh, stream from Dallas, Texas recently uh, picked up the win and, and acquired the TV title, his first championship in Ring of Honor, which is well-deserved. So, yeah, that one, uh, I, I don't even know. Maybe I'll announce it from the back. I don't know. We'll see. Also featured on uh, Best in the World, uh, Mr. Cruz, I feel obligated to ask you about this match. Uh, Flip Gordon will be taking on Bully Ray. Uh, I was talking with a mutual friend of ours yesterday, and he told me that you were recently uh, had a little bit of a confrontation with Bully Ray. Um, what's the story here for, for those uh, who may have missed it? He's an ass. Uh, that's, that's the story. He's a bully. He's a jerk. Um, and it's been more than one lately. Like He, he is all over me constantly uh and he's he's intimidating you know and you try and be respectful 
But, um, you know, he's, he's making me announce, I think it was in London, making me announce him multiple times. He doesn't like the lack of enthusiasm I have in announcing him. I recently at our uh, TV taping in New York City put his hands on Carrie Silken. Uh, just, uh, I can't stand the guy. I, I wish he would go. I, honestly, I just wish he would go away. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the ROH World Championship, as uh, Bullet Club is certainly not fine. Uh, Marty Skrull will be going head-to-head with Cody, as well as current ROH champion Dalton Castle. Uh, first question, I guess, would be, have you had any conversations with Dalton Castle? How is he feeling? Is is he ready for this thing? Uh, he'll be ready. I have no doubt that he'll be ready. Is he fine? I don't think he's fine. I think he's hurting. And uh, that that's a lot of dynamics in this match. You have Dalton, who he has waited so long to be a champion and be a champion for the Ring of Honor. Uh, and has said he's going to hold on to it forever and they're going to have to basically, you know, off him to, to, to anyone to take the title from him. So I know him how much it means to him and how much he loves pro wrestling. And that's why that title means so much to him. And then you have the dynamics of what's going on with Bullet Club and Cody and and Marty and it just you know if anyone saw Ring of Honor TV recently uh, with Cody coming out in the promo and and getting interrupted by the villain and you know that you know the villain te- uh, teasing that he's going to break Cody's fingers I mean there's stuff going on there that who who even knows it's so dysfunctional so um, with, with to me the most important title in wrestling on the line uh, and these two egomaniacs that are in Bullet Club together. Uh, going after the same title, it's going to be very, very interesting. Can can you feel the tension when you walk into the ROH locker room at this point? Yeah, it's 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 weird. It's definitely weird. And I, you know, it kind of just happened. You know, the whole Cody and Omega thing, and then you know, who's on whose side? Are there sides? You know, it's been a lot of a uh, lot of questions. But Marty has been one of the one of the main guys. You know, it seemed like that. Uh, you know, Adam Page took Cody's side and. You know the box was staying neutral because they're so close with both, and then but Marty kind of it's you don't know where he was coming from, and there's been glimpses that you know he really loves Cody, and then there's been other glimpses like he's gonna you know destroy him. So I, I have no idea what to expect in Baltimore on this pay per view because um, you know I guess for Dalton you, you hope uh, that Cody and, and and Marty just explode and start beating the hell out of each other, and you can uh, and get out of there with the title. I think that's got to be the game plan going in. That's got to be the game plan. Uh, the the nerd in me has one more question for you, Mr. Cruz. Do you own your own microphone, or is it supplied by the company? And what is it? I, I don't own my own microphone, um, but we use the same microphones here. Uh, they are Shure microphones, uh, which I absolutely love. I love the microphones we use now. There have been some times in the past uh, where we used a, a company called Audio Technica. Oh, God. Like, yeah. Those are some of those brutal microphones I ever used. Uh, they were very uh, unreliable. Um, I never knew if I was going to start to announce someone if the thing was going to be on, whatever. But uh, for the past several years, we've used Shure microphones, which I, I do love. We're, it was funny. We used um, different microphones in the UK, different, you know, we used some equipment from the UK, over in the UK. And um, the the kind of like the standby button, you know, because I, I will always kind of, they let me control my own microphones. You know, no one's turning me down or whatever. I know when to obviously turn it on and turn it off. So I put it in standby. But the the, the control for this thing in the UK was um, very hard to get to. 
and um, it was very frustrating. Good microphones. I don't remember the brand, but uh, good microphones. But uh, I just remember, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get back to the U.S. and the normal equipment we have because I actually got in the, uh, in the ring in Doncaster, U.K. on that final stop of the uh, Honor the United Tour, like, whew, I don't know, less than a minute before we were going live on Honor Club. And I had to welcome the live crowd, you know, dark and everything. And I couldn't get the microphone on. And I was kind of freaking a little bit. And that had not happened in a very long time. So, um, yeah, I, but the microphones we have here, sure, microphones, I, I would, uh, I would recommend them any day. And audio technica, you can basically just throw in the pool. Mr. Cruz, thank you very much for joining us in the locker room today. Best of luck in Baltimore. And going forward, we'll see you in Chicago. All right, buddy. Sounds good. Thanks for the time.